Hey everyone, Benyam Tesfai with TDJ Enterprises. Welcome back to the TDJ's podcast. Last week's episode was part one with guest Bishop Sherman Watkins, the spiritual father and mentor to Bishop TDJ's. This episode that you're about to experience is a continuation from last week's conversation. So if you haven't listened to part one, I really encourage you to go back and check it out. It's a side of Bishop Jakes that many of you have never really seen or even heard. I know I hadn't at the time. Anyway, if you like this episode or the podcast in general, which I know you do, please take a minute and rate us on iTunes as it really helps our show spread. All right, let's get into it. Now, I want to just... If you don't mind, go, I want to go back. I want to go back to something. I want to to show you how foundations are built. When he ran their revival, I'm, I'm just going to skip back over there. When he mm-hmm. ran their revival, I never will forget. I gave him a thousand dollars. I never will forget thousand dollars. And when I give him the thousand dollars, his wife. And his mother-in-law jumped up and started shouting. Mm-hmm. Because to them, oh God. and back then, that was a lot for you to give somebody a thousand dollars. And they started, and I was wondering, well, I wonder why they shouting. You know, because to me, a thousand dollars was okay. You know, I mean, it, it was no big deal for me to have a thousand dollars. But 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 when when you go back, I want I want to tell you something. I want to tell, and I'm gonna have to check with him on some of this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I want to tell about the back to the Bible mm-hmm. when it first started. Okay. Okay. Now he has always been this person that was so precise. Everything, even when I was talking about his clothes, it was always neat. It was always clean. He was always always precise. Everything was always done in excellency. And so he had this little church. Now you, I don't think you didn't show that one, did you? The little one. That it's not there anymore. Yeah, so that, it was smaller than either let, let me one tell, you've already let me tell seen. One, one thing. It was small. I want to tell why, why we shouting about $1,000. When I was preaching for him, my sister had, had brain surgery that week. They had cut the gas off in the house. There was no heat in the house. When he gave me that $1,000, it was the first time we could get some heat back in the house. His church was the biggest church I had ever preached at in my life. And for him to invite me to come preach for him back then was just major. And the reason I'm out there laying hands on everybody is that I was so grateful. Yes, yes. I was so grateful to have the opportunity. I always preached hard because I never thought I preached well. And the relentless nature of my preaching was I never thought I was worthy to be on a stage of that magnitude. Instead of feeling like, you know, I had it coming, there was a humility that existed in me that was so unbelievable that he would invite me to come preach for him. 
that I would have laid hands and fed everybody and mopped the floor and cooked dinner and drove him to the house. That he would have me come preach for him. I think if you don't get the attitude right, you don't get the outcome right. There's a humility that needs to be in your heart where you don't feel like we owe you something. That I couldn't believe it. My sister had surgery. We called her. I I said, Jackie, what do you want me to do? I said, the week that they're going to do your surgery is the week Bishop Watkins wants me to come. And she said to me, about to get brain surgery, she said, if I die, you'll be in there. It's not going to make no difference. You may not ever have another opportunity like this again. You should go for it. And I got your back. See, I want to put it in context. Because see, you looking down, you looking at it from here, looking back at time. But I want you to see it from where I was looking at the time. For us to have a family meeting about how to respond to this opportunity, this was huge. My mother-in-law shouted, my mother-in-law came. (laughs) My wife was driving up there. My sister's going into surgery. She's willing to sacrifice my presence because her brother finally got a shot. And the reason he had to pull me off the crowd, I'd have been laying hands on him now. (laughs) He gave me a shot. The reason I want you to hear it, sometimes when God gives you an opportunity, you don't hit hard enough. You, You don't hit hard enough. He held me over for a second week. It was historical. He had never held anybody over two weeks till I came. And people were standing all outside. It was, it was a moment in time. They were baptizing people. People were being filled with the spirit. The church was packed full of people. And I preached with a towel. And the towel he's talking about, it wasn't no little towel like what I got now. <laughs> it was a bath towel. It was a full bath towel on top of a room. I wasn't fancy, but I was effective. <laughs> you see, go ahead. I just want them to understand why we was happy. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back before the revival. I want to talk about back to the Bible. Okay. And when you look at where he is now, You have to understand, when I see him now, I don't know him. Because I never imagined, (laughs) to be honest, in a thousand years that I would be sitting right here. (laughs) And he's sitting over there. (laughs) And, and, And let me tell you why. It's because... He would have this back to the Bible, and it would be the room was much bigger than this stage. I don't think. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe just bit. out there, and it would be so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you first started, mm-hmm. you know, in mm-hmm. Montgomery. Mm-hmm. I would take a, a few buses 
to the back to the Bible mm-hmm. conference, and it would be him, Sarita, his mother-in-law, a woman named Sister Green, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> Jackie, and Mama, and, and his mother, <laughs> and so. That would be his congregation. Now, everybody else in there is mine. <laughs> and, and that wouldn't be so bad except when he would get up, you know, he's always real fancy, you know, real clean and really could talk. He can talk better than I can. <laughs> he know how to spit words up. And, uh, he would give me this big introduction. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, they know who I am. <laughs> because they really belong to me, you know. <laughs> and he would tell how God has uh, blessed me and all like that. And, you know, what a fine person I was. And you, you blessed to be here tonight. <laughs> and, and he would, you know, introduce me real, real big and all. And I would have to get up and look at him and say, thank you, Minister Jake. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how he moved to another place as he was growing he had to borrow. And this was something that was so important to me is that very fact that you had to borrow that church down there on Charleston on the mm-hmm. boulevard. Mm-hmm. He had a bar church and all my people was there. He had barred people. He's <laughs> <laughs> a chief. But they did everything in order. You see, you have to have excellence, a spirit of excellency. And everything was done in order, and he would come out of the kitchen. You want me to tell everybody? Mm-hmm. He would come out of the kitchen, and uh, they said, <laughs> let us receive our pastor and his wife. So him and Sister Jakes would walk down the aisle, and my wife was sitting beside me. I said, you know what they're going to have after church? They're going to say on barbecue ribs. She said, how do you know? I said, look at Bishop Jake's tie. She just got through cooking in the back. He would cook the ribs, mm-hmm. fix the ribs, and when he's putting his bow tie on, there would be some barbecue <laughs> sauce. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. come down That's the right. aisle, and they would march down the That's aisle. Right. But the main thing was that I looked at Bishop was the very fact that it was borrowed. Mm-hmm. And then the Lord was speaking to me today, and he said, you remember that everything that he had was borrowed. Mm-hmm. And when, when God was talking to me today about it being borrowed, he said, there was one difference between you and that widow. Mm-hmm. He said, when Elijah told her to go, Elijah told her to go and borrow. Mm-hmm. He said, borrow not a few. Mm-hmm. And you all know the story that how they kept pouring Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because she was in debt Mm -hmm. and they kept pouring. Mm -hmm. 
because she was in debt. Mm -hmm. And they kept pouring Mm -hmm. because she was in debt. Mm -hmm. And they kept pouring because she was in debt. Mm -hmm. And and, and when they kept pouring because Mm -hmm. she was in debt, and after a while they say she reached for another barrel. Mm -hmm. And the Bible say that the oil, when they didn't have anything else to put in it, that the oil stayed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said the difference was that when Bishop Jakes began to move with the flow of the oil Mm -hmm. of the spirit, Mm -hmm. that he borrowed enough barrels. Mm -hmm. And I look at this crowd today and I see that the oil is still flowing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Isn't that amazing how, how that, that all of us have to, have to live off of borrowed things mm-hmm. because if you don't have, and I don't want to start doing this. I don't know how to sit down and do stuff good. <laughs> and I told him, I said, now Bishop, now you know me. I said, so if I started going off, I said, just pull me back in. <laughs> That's all you got a mic, don't you? Yeah, yeah, just pull me back in. Because, you know, because you don't, see, when you know what you know, you know. Mm-hmm. When you have experienced what you know that God has taken you and put tribulations on you, but they was working tribulation. Mm-hmm. 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 You see, this is the difference between some trials. That's what he, it's, it's what it's the Romans is talking about. It says that tribulation worketh. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that's why you can glory in and this is why you can glory in what God has done for you because the tribulation was working tribulation mm-hmm. not somebody without a job my, my, my trials don't come unemployed mm-hmm. see see, you, you, you don't want no trials that come unemployed you don't want no trial that come that's looking for a job but you want a trial that comes into your life that's going to work out the will of God's good pleasure in your life. And this is why you can glory in the tribulation because you know that tribulation is working something out in you. And this is how he got to where he is now. It's because the trials work. You ought to look at somebody, and I don't want to start having church, but you ought to look at somebody and tell them that what I've gone through has worked. Hey! You looking at what I've gone through, but you don't know that what I've gone through and gone through has been working out something inside of me. Why am I still here? (laughs) How could I be 79 years old and look this good? It's because God is so real and not something that you got to guess about. How do you get to be him? How do you get to go and be what he is? You don't need to be who he is. Right, right. You don't want to do that. No, you want to be who God is working out inside and whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I'm telling you, whatever it takes, if you would get the spirit of surrender, Mm -hmm. 
You see, it don't work just because uh, you got a big church. It don't work because you can get members. It don't work because you can manipulate. It don't work like that. I'm talking about something that's going to stand. That's going to stand. That's going to believe God. (laughs) I look at my children and whenever they get broke, they keep look at me and say, how you feel? <laughs> I said, oh God. I said, they tried to get me to die. <laughs> because they need something. They love me. Right, right. But they want to know, you know, they want to how you feel because they're going to get a little beneficiary, you know. <laughs> and I looked at them and I said to them, I said, uh, oh baby, I said, I feel okay. I said, but now remember when you started counting me out to die. Remember, I buried 12 people in my family, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I buried my daddy mm-hmm. and all of them. I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I said, so now, I know you love me, but when you keep asking me how you feel, <laughs> I said, how do I look? <laughs> you see, when you make God, and I'm telling you, this is how he arrived to the place that he is now. One time I told him uh, some man was picking on him, some old pastor. <laughs> you want to tell that? I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> and this pastor was just, but just picking at him. And so he, he called me up. He said, so he wanted me to get on the pastor, I'm sure. And this, this old pastor. And so he was an organization and all. And he said, he said this and he said that. And he said this, he said that. I said, well, how you feel? Well, I just said, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to call him. I said, don't call him. And this is what I gave him. Because now, one thing about him, he's a sweet, wonderful person. Don't make him mad. <laughs> when he gets angry, you know he he does stuff. <laughs> and so and so I, I I said, well, don't I said, don't 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 call him. I said I said because look, I took my time, I explained it to him. I said he's on his way out, <laughs> and you are on your way in. And so I, I had to get it all straightened out. Everything was in order, and I hung up. I said, not before I hung up, I said, no, don't, don't say anything. He said, I don't. Oh, yes, sir. And let then me, pretty let, soon. Let, let, let me tell this little part. You tell it. You tell it. Let me tell this part. So I, I told him, yes, sir. I'm in the hotel room by myself, and so I prayed. I said, Lord. <laughs> I said, if you don't want me to call that man, let it rain in this hotel room. And I started waiting. And I waited about a minute and a half or something, and I didn't see no rain. And so I called him. I lit him up. I lit him up. It was real bad. I mean, you know, it's under the blood. I've asked for forgiveness and stuff like that, but it was real bad. 
I, they could have took me to jail just over what I threatened to, to do. It was real bad because I'm, I'm an extremist. <laughs> you know, I'm an extremist. So, you know, I told a man I'd hide behind the bushes with a, a knife in my mouth and the rag tied around my head. It was bad. It was bad. I, I, it, it was really bad. And this is, the worst part about it is the man later died, you know. Bishop was right. Bishop was right. He was trying he died, to tell He died right, right there. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But I didn't do that. No, I didn't kill him. 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 I, I didn't kill him. But I finally called Bishop back and told him, you know, I have to be honest with you. I didn't do what you told me to do. <laughs> you remember that? I told him, I said, I did call him. And uh, he said, oh, boy, he always had trouble getting me to, to act right because I'm an expressive person, you know. So what he was trying to get me to understand is that time was on my side. He had the position, but time was on my side, and all I had to do was wait a minute. And the runway would have been cleared for a takeoff. But in my impatience to wait, I ended up threatening and almost harming someone that God was getting ready to move anyway. It taught me patience. Taught me patience. Taught me prayer. There's one story I, I got to get in. He, he would never tell you this story. He'd know it, but he wouldn't tell you because he wouldn't tell you, but I'm going to tell you. I preached for him every year. Now, he was strict. You couldn't blow bubble gum hardly. Going to hell if, you know, just, just, just strict. Old school, strict. And I grew up Baptist. We were liberal. So I got spiritual apostolic. So I was, you know, Baptocostal at the best. Uh, when I first got in the Pentecostal church, I, I really had it going good, you know. But when I came back in after being backslidden for 18 months, I had this issue I was struggling with. And, and he didn't know about it. And I preached for him. And, and I stayed in his house and left and packed my stuff and left. And he didn't know that I was wrestling with smoking. And I had this pack of cigarettes trying to be sneaky. And I don't know how I left the minister. I do not know. I do not know before God and Jesus and the internal revenue. He found them dead gum cigarettes. He found them. I thought my career's over. Now, I'd already tell you he's strict. Now, he's, he, you have to understand, I'm a kid. He's a man. He could have destroyed me. He called me. He said, LJ's, uh, I, 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 I was trying to find out, you know, did, was, uh, you left something, I don't know what all it was, you left back in the drawer somewhere, I didn't, I don't know what all it might have been in, the, but I threw it out, I thought, oh Jesus, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I He never killed me. He never told on me. He never brought it up again. When, when it comes to fathering people, 
you have to hold their secrets in trust. The wealth of what we have now is all built on trust. You know how you put money in a trust fund? When God gives you people, you have to be trustworthy because people are flawed. They're flawed and they're broken. And he helped raise me. Fast forward because they're giving me the time clock. But but, but I want to tell you something. When I started preaching for him, I didn't have much of anything. I had never seen anybody successful in my color. He had a pool in his house. (laughs) We had a pool in the neighborhood. (laughs) Okay. I preached for him Thanksgiving. They had China and Crystal Gorm, Crystal and and all that stuff. They fixed dinner on it. They had turkey and dressing, everything, everything, all kinds of food, chitlins, everything. They had everything. I looked at the plate and I thought, chitlins on China. (laughs) Now you have to understand to why my white brothers and sisters, y'all might not know what chitlins are, but maybe after service I'll explain it to you. What I'm saying, the chitlins represented culture. The China represented class. That it was possible to have class and culture simultaneously was a revolutionary idea. He had to work with my thinking. I went shopping with him to get some towels. And he was getting some towels for his house. And he spent, I still remember like this today, he spent $350 on some towels. Now this was a long time ago, so, you know. And I couldn't understand it. I was walking in behind him and I just was shaking my head. I thought, he don't know no better. So I didn't say nothing, right? She don't know better. When we got out in, in the car, I said, do you know that you could go to Sam's and you get a whole big old bag of tiles for $50? Last you forever. He said, he said, yeah, he said, I know. He said, it's not the same thing. Everywhere we ever went, he had to pay the way. I was a liability. He paid for my hotel rooms everywhere we ever went and never said a word. He stayed in these nice hotels. I stayed at the Red Roof Inn. Y'all don't even know what Red Roof Inn is. Do you? Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. I said, that's two or $300. Do you not know that you can stay at the Red Roof Inn for $19? I said, God has brought me into his life to help him. I thought, poor thing, he don't understand. You remember when I was telling you earlier that you have to learn how to be poor? It's a learned behavior. See, I had learned how to survive in a world, and he had brought me into a world that all the rules had changed. I didn't know anything about it, and I was trying to convert him back to what was comfortable for me. And he was trying to expose me to something I had never seen. 
Okay, I had never had no reason to pay $350 for a towel. $350 would have paid my rent for two months. That's ridiculous. You got some towels? Sometimes God brings people into your life to open up a door for you to think different and be different and feel different. He took me down in his, where he keeps his money. That's Daniel telling. And, and he had a safe. And he said, he said, come here, boy. Let me show you something. And he said, you, you know what these are? I said, oh, what's that? He said, those are savings bonds. I said, let me see. He said, yeah. He said, every so often I just buy one and I collect and put them here. And these are treasury bills over here. Okay. Trust. Okay. And he said, let me show you something. One day he opened up an envelope. He said, let me show you my portfolio. I said, what's the portfolio? He said, see, you, you don't spend it. You got to, you spend too much of your money. You got to stop spending all your money. You never have nothing. You spend all your money. You just fuss me. And he taught me about investments. Now, he had a lot of people that loved him. But I listened. So he taught me how to invest, how to save. I opened up an account in Columbus because I was trying to break my bad habits with money. So I put the savings account where I couldn't get it up by him. I'd have to drive three and a half hours to get to it. I left that money in that account so long that when I got ready to move to Dallas, I had to sit up there to get the money. He breaking through my curses so I could grab my blessings. You understand what I'm saying? And so I want you to understand the whole picture of, of how this came to be. So he corrected me. He challenged me. He chastened me. He exposed me at his expense. What made it wonderful for me is that now I get to do things back for him. If somebody is good to you and you don't reciprocate, you're a thief and a robber. If you always receive and never give back, how can you feel justified to breathe air when you break the natural laws of reciprocity? You understand? Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning, he shall devour the prey. And in the evening, he shall divide the spoils. I was 16. He was 37. He licensed me at 19. He was 40. I started pastoring at 22. He was 43. I'm now 58. And he is 79. And we are still together. You understand? I asked him to come. Yeah. 
I asked him to come because he raised me. My father died when I was 16. He raised me. He chastened me. He corrected me. He put up with me. I wouldn't be married without him. I guarantee you. <laughs> I wouldn't have held my family together. When I was ready to strangle my kids, I was ready to strangle them. I was mad at a particular one of them. I was going to put them out. I told him, I'm going to put them out. He lost him out. He dissonated it. He did it. I won't tell you what I said because you couldn't have it. And I said, <laughs> I said, I'm going to put them out. And he let me fuss. And he said, out to what? <laughs> He said, we do like two old people. Out to what? I guess we are now. He said, out to what? He said, if you put them out, somebody's going to pick them up and you don't get to pick who it is. And you're still going to have to deal with it. He said, you might as well settle yourself down and buckle your seatbelt and go for the ride. It is what it is. You stand up to it and take it. He was right. Let me, let, let, let me. Let, Staying right here. Okay. <laughs> we, we, we closing this. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I want you to just to see something that the Lord put on my mind this week. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, That's your Joshua. And I thought, what a blessing it was that when Moses was up at the Mount of Transfiguration, I wondered, I said, I wonder what was Moses talking to Jesus about? And when I asked that question, I said, I, I wonder did Moses asked Jesus, well, whatever happened to my spiritual son, Joshua? And that's not scripture, but (laughs) my concept. And when I thought about it, Bishop, Mm -hmm. I thought about how blessed I was over Moses. Mm -hmm. That's a strong statement, but for this particular Mm -hmm. setting. Mm -hmm. Mm Because Moses never got a chance to see Joshua. Moses, Moses, Moses died looking over from Nebo, Mount Nebo, at the promise. But he don't know what happened to his spiritual son. But I was able to Live long enough. Mm. Mm. And I, I brought you through the Red Sea. <laughs> oh, God. And once I got through the Red Sea, mm-hmm. I had no idea that I would be here mm-hmm. to see you come through Jordan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you see, I got a chance to see you and when you had to come through Jordan, I saw you when you stopped at Gilgal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw you when they took the knife and circumcised and, and began to cut on you. Uh-huh. I seen people cut on you. Oh, but then I saw you get up and put the bandages back mm-hmm. on and move on over and begin to face your Jericho. Uh, yes, sir. Uh-huh. But see, and this is why 
I'm blessed more than Moses in this particular situation because I got a chance to see you conquer Canaan. Wow. What we are talking about is staying connected through valleys and rivers and good times and bad times and everything. When they lowered my mother's body in the ground, he was there. When they buried his wife, I preached the funeral. When his brother, who was just almost his Siamese twin, left the earth, he called me screaming from the hospital. When my mother-in-law died, he preached the funeral. When his son died, I was there preaching the funeral. I don't care what you own where you live there are going to be some things coming in your life you're going to need somebody and I thought we would model what father son looks like there ain't no way I'm going nowhere Our bond is not money or platforms or stages or whether I preach for him or he preach for me. As the Lord liveth. I don't know about the rest of them, but I will not leave you. Right or wrong, weak or strong, I'll be there. Until you learn to be loyal to the people that God gives you in your life, you're not a safe place for an investment. How can we make a deposit where there is no trust? When he picked me up in his car and rode me around and paid my hotel bills for me to eat with him he had no idea I'd be picking him up in my jet somebody's got to believe in you I don't know why God wants you in this meeting but there's something he's trying to show you that you need that will make you complete and without it you will not be complete you can have anything else you want you can have all the money you can have all the clothes you can have all the stuff but if you ain't got this if you ain't got somebody that can talk you down when you're ready to do something stupid if you ain't got somebody who can know what you covered up and, and walk you through the storm of it better wake up and get a clue I want to pray for you this is the first day you've heard a lot you've been exposed to a lot you've been challenged in a lot of areas of your life 
God has some things for you that you need to experience. He has some things for you that he's working on in your life. He's working on your inside. He's working on your outside. He's working on every area of your life to perfect those things that pertain unto you. I see tears. I hear you sniffling. Our theme is managing hunger. I know what it is to hunger for somebody you can be real with. God knows you're hungry. He's going to minister to you. He brought you down here to show you something. Part of what he wants you to see, some of that stuff that passes for covenant in your circles is not covenant. This right here is covenant. This is covenant here. I don't have to call him every day. I don't have to see him every day. He'd know as long as I breathe. If I can do anything, I'll be there. It ain't a photo op. It ain't who got the biggest church. It's not what the public thinks. Listen, I do not care what you think about my father. I will fight you. Because most men bleed for the lack of this. If God bless you with somebody, anybody with whom you can trust, don't you let the devil take that away from you. No little stupid disagreement, no crazy stuff. You fight through all that stuff. We work through everything. Everything happened. But we made it. I feel God ministering to you in a very deep place. Squeeze that hand you're holding. There is a destiny in that person. There is a destiny in that person you're touching right now. There is a destiny in that woman. There's a destiny in that man. There's a purpose in their life. But wherever there is a destiny, there will always be a defect. And if you are going to reach your destiny, you got to find that place in your heart and in your spirit that you understand that this defect will not stop my destiny. That my next step is in God's hand and I am determined that I will let nothing separate me from what I have been called to do. And some on boards and some on broken pieces. Hallelujah. Didn't come from the right place. Didn't come from the right home. Didn't come from the right this. Didn't come from the right that. People didn't like me. Parents didn't understand me. Somebody said they wanted a boy. They got a girl. They wanted this. They got that. Everybody got a story. Squeeze that hand. You can't let your story stop you. You can't do it. God is working on you. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, the people we touch are valuable to you. Teach us how to be sons. Teach us how to be daughters. Teach us how to be fathers. Teach us how to be the kinds of people that you can trust in a storm that can take a licking and keep on ticking. Teach us how to be the kind of people that don't give up because the conditions are not right. Teach us to be the kinds of people that can benefit from what we're exposed to and then be loyal to it committed to it not like flies touching down here and flying over there and touching over there teach us commitment 
We want to be fruitful. I pray, God, you would bless these people. I thank you for what you've already done. I believe that the best is yet to come. Have your way in their life. Before you close this service, I want you to take one person and just wrap your arms around them. You don't even have to know them. It's better if you don't. And I want you to pray for things they can't even tell you about. Right now, right now, I want you to just pray for them right now. In the thrust and the throes of this moment. In the thrust and the throes of this moment. I know you can do it. 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 I know you can. In them, through them, with them, for them. I know you can do it. I know you can do it. I know you can. 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 I know your will. I know your will. I know your word. I know your power. I know your glory. I know your anointing. I know your able. I know your able. I know your able. How many people are glad you were here in this meeting? Are you glad? Are you glad? Spread the word, process the information, tell your friends, tell them if they didn't get to get in on this year, tell them about next year. More information. God bless you. I'll be there. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe to the weekly show and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play Music app. This is T.D. Jakes. Thank you for listening.